Hey, when you hear the word church, what is it that you think of? What is it that comes to mind? I think when many people uh, think about the word church, they picture a building at a certain address where people come together, hang out, maybe talk about God. But that really isn't what the church is. That truly is just a building where a church happens to meet up. You know, maybe you've heard of the word incarnation. It's usually something we talk about before Christmas because it's the word that describes what Jesus did when he came to earth. Jesus was the incarnation of God, the literal embodiment of God himself. Or to put it in another way, Jesus was God with skin on. And guess what? The church is the incarnation of Jesus. When the world sees the church, they shouldn't see a building. They should see Jesus. Now, when we can't meet in person, guess what? We really do miss each other. But literally, it should have little effect on who we actually are as a church. Because the church is people. It's you and me bound together in loving community. And we are a living representation of Jesus to the world. It's pretty extraordinary. This is how the Apostle Paul explained this reality in a letter that he wrote to a church in the city of Ephesus. And we read this in Ephesians 1, verses 22 and 23. And he said this, he said, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So did you catch that? The church is literally the body of Jesus. We, you and me, become Jesus' hands to touch and minister to the world around us. And we are at his feet, taking his message all around the world. But this body, the church, isn't alive just because we're a bunch of people who meet up to share maybe some similar thoughts about God. The church is alive because God has given his spirit to live within us. And to animate who and what we are as the church. So today, we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 2. When God gave his spirit to the church. But first, we need to remember something that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. It's something that we we took a brief look at last Sunday. But listen, would you read this along with me? It's in Acts 1.8. And these are the words of Jesus. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So Jesus speaks this promise that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is going to be coming upon you. And it's now just in this very next chapter, Acts chapter 2, that we're going to be looking at that we're going to see the fulfillment of that promise. 
So let's pick up in Acts chapter 2 and read along with me the first four verses of Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, just before COVID-19 hit America and and we, you know, uh, as a church have, have um, felt the effects of that just like everyone else, but right before that, we were doing a series called When God Hits Pause. And we looked at the times when it seems like God has hit the pause button on our lives and he's completely forgotten about us and our situation because that's what it can feel like at times. But what we discovered is during those times, during these times, that God is actually doing a deep work in us, forming us into the people Actually, we really long to be. But here in Acts chapter 2, we come to the flip side of this reality. Because God doesn't only hit pause buttons in our lives. Sometimes he hits fast forward. And whenever we read the word suddenly in the Bible, it's reminding us that God just hit fast forward. So have you ever had one of those fast forward moments in your life? Have you ever had a suddenly happen to you? Maybe for years you you were waiting and waiting for breakthrough. Then bam, it happens. Or maybe you've been praying for a, a friend or a family member for year after year. Just asking God, Lord, would they put their trust in you? And then bam, it happens suddenly. And that's just what happened here in Acts chapter 2, but just on a much larger scale. Because for thousands of years, God had intentionally limited the work of the Holy Spirit. During those years, God put his Spirit only on a specific handful of people, like the prophets and leaders that we read about in the Old Testament. But now, suddenly, The Holy Spirit is poured out to this entire group of about 120 followers of Jesus who had gathered together on this day of Pentecost. But by the end of this day, we read that this number had already grown to 3,000. This was the birth of the church when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all those who had put their trust in Jesus. So, You might wonder, so what's the big deal about this? Why is this so important? I mean, don't we already have the Holy Spirit in us as as soon as we put our trust in Jesus? You know, we, we say yes to God, and doesn't that mean that he actually gives us the Holy Spirit? And Well, let me answer that by using the illustration of electricity. Now, have you ever been shocked, you know, zapped by electricity? 
You know, usually this happens in small ways. Uh, you know, being shocked when you reach for something uh, made of metal, you know, and I mean, I remember, you know, as kids, we would, you know, run around the house in our stocking feet, you know, shuffling along, building up static electricity, and then bam, going and shocking somebody. But we know that shocks don't just happen in small ways, they can happen in big ways as well, you know, like being struck by lightning. But being shocked, it's always a startling experience, whether it's big or small. So to me, it's crazy to think about the fact that you have electricity flowing through your body right now. In fact, if you didn't have electricity in you, you'd be dead. Doctors even check for electrical patterns in people's brains to see if we're dead or alive. So follow me here. When we put our trust in Jesus, it's like God's supernatural current began flowing in us. At the moment of salvation, when we are born again, God sends his Holy Spirit into our lives. And we go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. The Bible tells us that we come to the spiritual life when the Spirit of God, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, comes to live in us. But just like having electricity in you is very different from having electrical power come upon you, God's Word tells us it's the same with the Holy Spirit. So the first gift of the Holy Spirit is when he comes in us. And this is for spiritual life. But here we see there is a second gift of the Holy Spirit. When he doesn't just come in us, he comes upon us. And this is for empowerment. So over and over through the New Testament, we see this truth. That the church isn't just a group of people who get together to form some kind of Jesus fan club. The church is an empowered community. One that is filled with and ministers in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the church. church an empowered community. And listen, when we forget this, it always leads to problems in the church. And it actually can be easy to forget because as a church, there's a lot of things that we can do in our own power instead of relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. We can build pretty buildings, you know, in our own power. We can sing good songs in our own power. We can even put together good programs in our own power. We can even come up with ways to do these things online in our own power without relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. But no matter how good those things may be and how pretty we can make things and how nice we can sing or teach, listen, it's only the Holy Spirit that has the power to transform a life. It's only the Holy Spirit that can set a person free whether it's from addiction or from the chains of bitterness and hate that have kept some bound for years. We desperately need the Holy Spirit's power, and, and God knew that. So he poured out his Spirit to empower his church. 
Now, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out upon these disciples, there was a sound. It was the sound of wind. And they saw fire from heaven. But this third miraculous way that God showed his power was by enabling them to speak in other languages, to speak in tongues. And this empowerment had immediate results. So let's keep reading in Acts chapter 2, picking up in verse 5 through 11. It says this, At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running uh, and, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, People from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia. Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. So all of these diverse people who are in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, they hear and they see the spirit-empowered commotion and came running to find out what is going on. And here's what's going on. 16 different people groups representing languages, ethnicities, and cultures, it says, from every nation, are all hearing the good news about Jesus, but they're hearing it in their own native languages. And it says they were bewildered. What is going on? So Peter, one of the disciples, he jumps up and addresses the crowd. And we pick up in verse 14 through 18. And he says, listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. What you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. Now, this entire Pentecost story is remarkable. I mean, the very first thing that God does through his spirit is communicating his good news to this incredibly diverse group of people from all over the world. The Holy Spirit was given to the church, catch this, to bring unity to a divided world. And... If that wasn't enough, Peter immediately jumps up and begins quoting the prophet Joel and takes it even further. Because God wanted his newly formed church to know that he does not discriminate. And so quoting Joel, uh, Peter says this. He says uh, that God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
on all people. So we know that God does not discriminate based on your race. And he goes on and says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. So we know that God does not discriminate based on your sex. And he says, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. So we know that God does not discriminate based on your age. And then he says, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. So we know that God does not discriminate based on your status. And if God doesn't discriminate against people based on any of these things, guess what? His church must not discriminate either. We should be the safest community on the planet for people of every race, sex, age, and status to come together in unity to worship Jesus. And that's why I believe we so desperately need the Holy Spirit's power. Because humanly speaking, these things are impossible. But with God and the empowerment of his spirit, all things are possible. And today, with all the pain of division that's going on in our nation, particularly right now over the sin of racism, we need to be God's empowered church offering the hope of unity and reconciliation to the world that is so broken around us. Now listen, I could wrap up right there and call it good for this message, but but how could I finish this message on Acts chapter 2 without taking a few minutes to answer some questions you may have about this special gift of tongues that God gave the church through his Spirit? It's right there at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And and here's what it says. It says that those very first people that uh, received the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when when the empowerment of the Holy Spirit came, and then people heard them speaking in tongues, it says that they those people were bewildered. But you and I, we don't have to be bewildered about this gift. The Bible teaches us quite a bit about the gifts of the Spirit including this gift of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues has to do with speaking or singing in a language that you've never before known. Some call this a heavenly language, and it's a beautiful, empowering gift from the Lord. What we discover in the Bible is that there are kind of three different ways that this particular gift might be given by God. Now, the first is what we read about right here in Acts chapter 2, when when God gives an actual known human language that others can hear. This seems to happen kind of fairly rarely, but over my lifetime, I've heard of several examples when this very thing has happened. Now, I love the story uh, told by my friend Jim Toll, who'd been a four-score missionary from the U.S. to Central America. And one time he was ministering in a church when a lady got up and spoke this beautiful word about the Lord in perfect English. So when the service was over, you know, he goes up and begins talking to her in English because she had just been speaking English. But this is what he discovered. She didn't speak a word of English. In the service, she'd actually been speaking in tongues. She had no idea. 
that she was speaking in an actual language that my friend Jim understood. So that's one way that this gift of tongues can happen, and it's shown right here in Acts chapter 2. But there's a second way that the Bible illustrates tongues being used, and it's when a believer is prompted by God to speak in an unknown language to a group. Maybe someone at church feels prompted to just give this word in tongues, but the Bible says that that must be followed up by an interpretation of that word of tongues. Now, think about that. You know, if, if a person from another country is speaking to you in a language that you don't know, you need an interpreter so that you can understand what's being said, right? Well, in the same way, when this kind of tongues gift is being spoken to a group, it has to be interpreted or there wouldn't be any spiritual benefit for those who hear it. So that's the second way that this gift of tongues might be utilized, and that's with someone giving tongues to a group, and then an interpreter hears from God, this is what that person is speaking. But there's a third way that God will give the gift of tongues. It doesn't need any interpretation, because it's not being spoken to other people, but to God himself. And he's a really good interpreter, especially since he's the one inspiring your unknown language in the first place. This gift of an unknown language is, is very common among believers, and it's, it's given to empower our prayer and our worship. And it's available to everyone who has put their trust in Jesus. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, the Apostle Paul said a number of important things about speaking in tongues and using other gifts of the Holy Spirit as well. But I love what he says in verse 4 about tongues when Paul said this. He said, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Now, every time we use this particular gift, it's like flexing our faith muscles. No gym required. Because you can use this gift anytime, anywhere, for any reason. You know what? I find that this is especially helpful when I don't know what to pray because the problem I'm facing is just too big. I don't even know where to start. You know, I, of course I'm praying in my, you know, in my own uh, language of English. And so I'm, I'm interceding, I'm praying, but at some point, you know what, I'm going to run out of words and it's just too big. I just don't know how to get my spirit wrapped around that. So God has given us this gift of tongues because now I can begin just praying in the spirit, right? Right on target for, for that big issue. And God knows exactly what it is that I'm praying. And so I'm praying right on target for that, that issue. So we can start praying in this heavenly language as God enables us. Praying right on target, plus our faith is growing at the same time, right? How cool is that? Because we're personally built up and strengthened when we, when we speak in tongues. Now, Paul also says in this chapter, chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, he says that he spoke in tongues more than anyone. And he says that he wished every believer would use this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know you, maybe, so I can't say that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But I can tell you that it's something that I do daily. 
It's such a natural part of my prayer life that often I just I just flow between praying in English and tongues without even really considering it, right? I don't have to like think, okay, now I'm going from English to tongues. It's just so natural. It's just kind of become like breathing or praying to me. So I, like Paul, I wish that every one of you would experience this empowering gift. Now, if you've never prayed or worshipped using this gift of tongues before, you may be wondering, okay, what's the deal, right? Is is God going to, like, take over my mouth, you know, like, wiggle my tongue around and make strange sounds come out? No, that's not how God operates. So I want you to think about it this way. Maybe you've experienced the gift of prophecy before where you felt God was giving you a a special insight or message for someone else. So what did you do with that? Hopefully, you went to that person and you spoke that very thing that you believe that God had prompted you to speak. Right now, listen, releasing the gift of tongues is a lot like releasing the gift of prophecy. Because what we do is we simply hear what God is saying then we make the choice to open our mouths and speak it out. Now, that's got to make sense for prophecy, right? God doesn't force you to go to that person and speak that word to them. Now, if you don't choose to open your mouth and let the words come out, well, guess what? That prophetic gift will never be released. And it's the same for tongues. I simply listen to the sounds that God would prompt in my spirit, then I choose by faith to use those sounds to to form new words as I pray and as I worship. Now, here's the great news. Jesus said that all of us can expect to receive this empowerment of the Holy Spirit along with all the gifts that he brings, not just tongues, but including tongues. Now remember, God doesn't discriminate. So his gifts and his empowerment are are not just for those who who may kind of be mature in the Lord, you know, have walked with Jesus for a long time. This This empowerment is available to anyone and everyone who has put their trust in God. This is the way Jesus put it. Luke captured this in in chapter 11 and verse 11 through 13 says this. Jesus said, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So that's what we do. We just ask. Now those of us who have the Holy Spirit in us because we've already come to spiritual life in Jesus. Now we ask God to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Oh, but God, I need your Holy Spirit upon me. And we don't just have to ask this like once, right? That one time when you asked for God to pour out his Holy Spirit on you. No, Here's the beautiful thing. We can ask God again and again, God, I need 
the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. We need that in the life of our church, and we need that as individuals. I need that. I need it daily. How about you? So let's pray. And as I pray, I just want to encourage you that right there where you are, man, you may be at home, maybe in your bedroom, maybe you're in the living room. I, I'm not sure where you're you're interacting with this, listening in on the podcast or watching the video. But I believe this, that you can not only receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as those first followers of Jesus did, but you can take steps to just begin then to just release those gifts that he would give you. Whether it's a beautiful gift like prophecy or or maybe healing, just going and laying hands on people and in Jesus' name, asking for his healing presence and power to be released in that situation. Or even right now, this beautiful gift of, of tongues. It's going to strengthen you. And you're going to be using that to worship him and to pray right on target. So would you join me in, in prayer right now? God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit and that you've given us your spirit to empower our church and to empower our lives. God, we need you so much and are grateful for your Holy Spirit's power. Now listen, if you've never opened up your lives to Jesus, if you've never put your trust in him, then why don't you pray this along with me if that's something that you would like to do right now. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for showing us, Lord, your love by going to the cross and Lord, paying a price for our sin that we could never pay. And thank you, Lord, for showing us a new way that we can live our lives in love and that you will empower us. You'll empower that love by the power of your Holy Spirit. So today, I put my trust in you, Lord. I turn from my old ways and I embrace you now. I embrace your forgiveness and I embrace new life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, for those of you that maybe you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, or maybe you've never asked him to come upon you and and empower you, let's pray for that again right now. God, we need a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. God, we need the power, your power in our lives. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, baptize us today. Immerse us in your spirit and in your power. God, we need your grace, your comfort, your guidance, and your power. So we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Jesus uh, promised us that, that we would receive his power, the power of his Holy Spirit. And so now I'm just going to challenge you. Those of you that have prayed that prayer in faith for that empowerment of his spirit, I want you to begin to to say, God, now I want to begin to release your loving gifts to the world. Because when people see me, Lord, I want them to see you. And when they see our church, Jesus, 
We want them to see you. And you are a healer. And you are one that spoke life. And you are one that spoke just that redemptive purpose and plan for all of those that you came into contact with. And so I want to do that too. So go for it, church. Begin to just release God's healing power in and through you. Go for it. Hey, before we dive off, I just want to thank you once again for giving generously to help the Santa Maria Foursquare Church to, to not only uh, survive during these days of quarantine and we're not meeting together yet, we're not just surviving, we're thriving. We're doing well, and, and I so appreciate that. I, I've heard um, anecdotally that there's more and more people that are actually going online and figuring out how to use PushPay in order to, uh, to give gifts to our church, but also to others in the community. Because on PushPay, when, you, when you're giving, you, know, you can just use that little drop-down menu. So if you want extra funds to be able to be released in our community to help people who are in need right now, you just go and click on benevolence and say, man, I want, I want my money to, to be used benevolently in our community. You know, or you can go to that designation designation called special, and all the money that goes um, into that fund between now and the end of July, all of that is going to our missionaries to help specifically to feed people on the streets of Playa del Carmen who are in a lot more desperate need than a lot of a lot of us here are. And so, thank you, Church, for being generous. So if you've got your phone, you can just text. Uh, SM4 to 77977. You're going to have a little dialogue pop up that's going to show you how to use PushPay. If you haven't haven't used that yet, really, really simple to do. Or you can just go onto our church website, sm4.org slash giving. And we've got some real simple instructions there, how you can also participate in being generous along with others in the church. Hey, today is Father's Day and I haven't said it yet, but happy Father's Day. Man, I'm, I'm so glad for men in our community and men in our church who, who really are growing more and more to be like Jesus. And, and so keep going for it. And, and today, Sunday, June 21st, we're actually meeting in our church. We're going to meet up for an hour from 11 to noon to have this great time. We're going to be celebrating dads, but even more than that, we're going to be we're going to be doing the work of the kingdom because we're going to be praying. We're going to be worshiping, and I can't wait to receive communion along with many of you. So we have some instructions on our church website about how to prepare to come, bring chairs, bring beach blankets or something because we're going to be meeting outside, and uh, we're doing that again today, June 21st from 11 to noon. Shouldn't interrupt too many uh, Father's Day plans, but man, make it a great one. Again, happy Father's Day. You're loved. We'll see you soon.